It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. This is the second time we've talked today, James. 1530, where you're recording this episode, still in the studio. I talked to you earlier today on the radio, and now we're together again for the last mailbag of 2021 before the NFL draft. Insane. It's a big mailbag. It's a big time as we record this a week before the draft. By the time you hear this, probably less than that. So the countdown, you hear that? Tick, tick, tick. The countdown is on, Jake. Let's go. Tick, tick, tick. The countdown on indeed. And I'm personally counting down, James, to the national meltdown coming when the Bengals, if the Bengals don't pick Penay Sewell at number five. You got ESPN analysts saying that It's a no-brainer, and that was uh, Mike Greenberg, a a very persuasive, I said this when I was on the radio with you, very persuasive little video he put together with, you know, a hit rate on offensive linemen in round one versus wide receivers in round one, a pass block win rate metric that says when all five guys win their pass block, you have a 75 QBR, and when one guy, at least one guy loses, you have a, a sub-50 QBR, and that's ESPN's QBR, their their little proprietary QB rating stat. Penny Sewell's only one lineman, though, so there's that. And, you know, this idea, there's this perpetuated idea that offensive linemen are just way more valuable than wide receivers. We've talked about this a lot on the podcast. If it's one-to-one... There's a lot of evidence that says a wide receiver is more valuable to the offense than an individual offensive lineman. But obviously, James, you and I both understand the importance of the offensive line on the whole, which is why really both both sides make sense. The the Sewell side makes sense. You can build the offensive line. That way you can deal with wide receiver in the future. The Jamar Chase side makes sense. But I'm not going to repeat those arguments anymore. And instead, let's just hop into the mailbag. I really like our first question here. It's from Austin Coleman. He wants to know, James, have you ever tried eating a Snickers inside of a pickle? If not, would you? And is there any other weird food item you enjoy? Austin, what the hell are you talking about, my man? <laughs> what are you saying right now? A Snickers inside of a pickle? I've never heard of such a thing. I, I've heard of hot pickles. I've heard of dill pickles. I've heard of uh, you know, different cuts of pickles, and I'm on board with all of them. I like the spicy pickles, but a chocolate bar inside of a pickle, no, I have not had that. Uh, would I try it? I don't know, man. It better look damn good at the festival I'm at because that's the only place that I'm going to feel froggy enough to do it. Um, as far as weird foods, the Cincinnati natives aren't going to think this is weird, but our out-of-towners, and we have plenty of out-of-town listeners, shout out to y'all, um, getta, if you haven't had getta, I think that's a very weird food. 
um, to eat if you're, again, not from Cincinnati. I'll just read what it says on Google because I don't really know how to describe it. Grain, oats, meat, right? That, that's kind of how I use it or, or say it uh, and describe it to people. But Google says, Geta is a meat and grain sausage or mash of German inspiration that is popular in Metro Cincinnati. It is primarily composed of ground meat, pinhead oats, and spices. And I love Geta. It's one of my favorite breakfast foods. If you told me bacon or Geta, I'd probably take Geta on the side of my eggs. But that does sound kind of weird, but it tastes great. I never had Geta growing up or anything. Like, I know that it's a thing. I know it's a thing in Cincinnati. But when I lived there from age two weeks to 18 full time, I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever actually had it growing up there. So good. When you visit, you're going to have, I'm going to take you to get some good Geta. The problem with that is that that's a meal that I'm not eating at Jeff Ruby's Steakhouse or at Soto or at Skyline. It's okay. There's is there's it? plenty of time to, to oh yeah, we'll, we'll find time. Don't worry. I can eat a lot of food, so I'm okay with that. So I've Googled the Snicker pickle. I uh, It's weird. It looks weird. It doesn't look good. But I, I do know that a lot of people eat like peanut butter and pickle sandwiches. Have you heard of this? And, and it's, oh. it's kind of weird. I have a friend up here who's a professional chef fantastic cook never made something and put it on my plate and I didn't like it and he he'll eat a a, a peanut butter and cucumber sandwich I think which is kind of similar right so I guess the idea here is just that mix of the the briny saltiness of the pickle and the sweetness of of the snicker and the and the crunch and the peanut I don't know probably not for me uh I'm not a pickle fan so much on their own but uh I picked that question because it's hilarious. I think this is the same guy that asked us that other. Yeah, I just went back and looked. He asked us if we would ever put ketchup on a Kit Kat. And I guess, you know, I don't know. We're ta- we're talking burger toppings and candy bars here to start the show. But we have another fun question before we dive into the more serious football topics. And this one comes from BNetN. And he wants to know, James... Would Penny Sewell make a better receiver or would Jamar Chase make a better offensive lineman? <laughs> oh, Lord. This is tough. It's tough because I'm team Chase, baby. So I think Chase can do anything. You put a cape on him, he might go out there and fly a little bit. But uh, I don't know if uh, Jamar Chase, if I like his chances of blocking Miles Garrett. Can, can Penny Sewell maybe box out Denzel Ward j- just once? you know, in a while and, and treat him like a basketball player, maybe get away from a, get away with a push off. He's not going to move fast, but I guess I go with Sewell because he can just outpower defenders. But man, you want to talk about winning with physicality. It's exactly what Sewell would have to do at, at the wide receiver position. I'm sure they could give each other, you know, some tips. Uh, you know, how, how do I play this? Because posi- you don't put a 200 pound man at, offensive line come on but I think it would be hilarious to see Penny Sewell catch a pass and it wouldn't shock me if he does at some point in his NFL career I mean you remember what Hugh Jackson did with the Bengals splitting out his linemen getting those three by three looks with three linemen down and and they're like those screen packages he would run little options off of you could see Penny Sewell participating in that activity catching a pass and running for five-ish yards or you know Sam Cosby caught a pass for, for the Texas Longhorns in his career, you could see something like that for Sewell, right? 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's reasonable. It's certainly something you could do, especially if the Bengals draft him at five because they're going to need someone else to catch passes because they wouldn't have Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts. See how I brought it back to the debate? I'm obviously just kidding and messing around. But, uh, oh, man, the glory days of Jake Fisher. Remember when he was a, a tight end for the Bengals? Yeah, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> Next question here from Kyle Smith. Kyle underscore Smith, 1087 on Twitter. Yes, at this point, what would it take for the Bengals to take Sewell over Chase? Or is Chase truly as locked in as Burrow was last year? I don't know what it would take because I don't really know where exactly the Bengals are at. I don't know if it's as locked in as Burrow. It's it's not as locked in as Burrow, right? We knew it was going to be Burrow for a very long time. We feel pretty strongly based on information available to us at the moment that it will very likely be Jamar Chase at number five, but I don't think that's in stone. And there's a chance that this is the first successful first round smokescreen for some reason that the Bengals have ever pulled off. So I'm not as sold that it's a hundred percent Jamar Chase, but in Malik Wright's words, right? He, he upped it to 96% this week, James, and he's been pretty on it this off season. And, and there's no reason not to trust him. The, the rhetoric from the Bengals lines up and the way things are going, I'd be a little bit surprised, not terribly surprised, but a little bit surprised at least if it was Sewell. And that's fair because you get Joe Burrow saying, oh, yeah, I'm not impacting things and I don't have a say, it, it, you know, at the same time, he's not shy about praising Chase and pointing out on the Collinsworth podcast. Yeah, we think Riley Reef is going to make a big impact. It just it goes kind of hand in hand. Brian Callahan saying that they need on our podcast, saying that they need smart receivers. He talked about speed, but smart. And then Joe Burrow said, yeah, he, he praised Chase's intelligence. So there are a lot of little uh, breadcrumbs that point to it. But you never know. It, it, there, there certainly could be a path to, to Sewell. But I, I'm not it doesn't feel likely at this point. I'll say that. Up next, we'll answer more of your questions in the weekend mailbag here on Locked on Bengals. But this episode brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Ring sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're perfect, and they're going to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only at BlueNile.com. Go there and search the words 10 by 10. If you're looking for the perfect, unique ring that she's going to treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, they're not going to be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10. Only at BlueNile.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. 
The weekend mailbag marches on, James. Our next question comes from the Duke, the underscore Duke 68. And man, I just talked about how I didn't like the number 68 yesterday for Josh Tupo. I do like it for you, though, Duke. I would never besmirch the Duke's number. But he asks a question, James. Assuming it's Jamar Chase at five, what non-offensive line prospects would have to fall to 38 for the Bengals to take them over an offensive lineman? Well, I would say probably edge is is the one spot that you could see. I guess corner, but I think that's unlikely there. So to me, it would be an edge rusher. Maybe they feel really good about Oa from Penn State, uh, or maybe they feel good about Rousseau, um, Gregory Rousseau, Rousseau from uh, Miami. You know, one of those guys. Heck, I had a couple people mention um, the the kid from Tulsa, Zaven Collins. Maybe they ha- have a good grade on him, and he falls, and they're like, man, we have a top 15 grade on him. Let's take him. So outside of edge rusher, I don't really think any of the defensive tackles are, are going to be enough, assuming the linemen that we expect to be there or there. Now, if there's a crazy run on offensive linemen, then yeah, you know, could you see a, a Christian Barmore who I don't think is going to be there, but could you see them potentially picking him? Uh, maybe, but if I had to guess, Jake, probably only an edge rusher. And that, that's kind of the path to them not taking an offensive lineman if they take Chase or Pitts with the fifth pick. I agree with you that it would have to be a defensive player, right? Because if you're saying not an offensive lineman, not a wide receiver. There's not going to be a tight end worthy of that pick. There's not going to be a quarterback the Bengals are going to take there. So what does that leave? It has to be a defensive player. And I don't think it's a safety. I don't think it's a linebacker. I I think it would have to be a guy like you mentioned, Christian Barmore. If there's a Caleb Farley, perhaps the Bengals consider that if his back injury pushes him down and they're high in his medicals. Greg Newsom, potentially a guy you consider. Quiddy Pay, if he falls out of the first round, maybe you consider Aziz Adjurlery. Maybe you consider if he gets all the way to the Bengals' second pick. But I don't really know that any of these guys are persuasive enough. We've talked about Carlos Basham, and I do think there's a world where the Bengals could go wide receiver, edge rusher, offensive lineman. But imagine the panic. Imagine the optics and the Bengals front office should not care about this whatsoever, but the fires that will be starting in Cincinnati, you'd be able to see him from space. Yeah, you would, you would, it would be, it, it, and we talked about this earlier today. It, it would be panic is a good way to put it because the average fan remembers Burroughs injury and they know you need to protect him. And again, I think it's a hard, hard for me to imagine that there isn't an offensive lineman that has a comparable grade. But hell, some of the guys you mentioned are definitely expected to be first rounders. And if they're there in round two, you're like, whoa, this is interesting. Farley's there. Oh, my God. You know, so I get it. And and that's the tough part. But you never know. You never know who's going to be there. And that's the the beauty of the draft. Next question comes from the Houday Panda at the Houday Kid 58. What are your day one and day two draft day plans? Any traditions? Favorite snacks? After Built Bar, of course. Any chance of a live stream reaction to the fifth pick? I think I will be streaming day one and probably day two. 
James is going to pull an all-nighter, I know, on day one, so we can record a podcast and reset for day two of the draft. We might have to do the same thing after Friday's rounds two and three, but I don't know about traditions, James. I do like to prepare for myself on big sports days around Cincinnati sports. I like to make myself my my Skyline-style sauce and just have some taste of home, you know, for big Bengals games, like the first game of the season or playoff games or, you know, for the Reds playoff games last year, even though I didn't really watch the Reds much last year, you know, for stuff like that, for the draft, I do like to have that feeling of being a little bit closer to home. But uh, the question, the last question there about the stream, I do plan on streaming and I'm sure James will join me for some of that time. Sure. Yeah. The stream, we're going to have podcast city, man. I mean, it's going to be crazy. You're right. We're going to have a comprehensive uh, podcast at the end of the night for that Friday morning reaction to the pick comments from players, you know, players and coaches, et cetera, or the player, assuming they only take one player in the first round. Plus, um, a look ahead today too. So that along with a ton of other stuff, obviously on my side at all bangles. So yeah, there's, there's going to be a ton as far as traditions. Honestly, no. Um, before I, I like covered the draft, I would always watch it with friends. I would have, hell, I remember the, the dark West and our draft, uh, had friends and, and some family over to watch it. Like it became like an event thing, but now it's more, all right, we got to work. And, and so it's, I already know. I, I told you this yesterday. I'm going to be in my office, laptop, TV, iPad, and uh, I expect to really be there for probably a 36-hour stint outside of maybe a little gym time on Friday morning. Oh, gosh. I hope you get some sleep. You know, I, I forgot about that. I've been in Canada for, for five years now. I forgot that people used to get together and watch the draft. Like, I lived in Seattle before I came up to Canada. When I was in Wisconsin, though, when I was working my first job out of school, my football fan friends and I would get together and watch a draft together. And I, I forgot that that was a thing. That's how long it's been since I actually had a social occasion for the NFL draft. Maybe next year I'll go down to the draft myself or something like that. I think that is something that I want to do at some point in my life and it would be fun. Next question along the lines of good energy and fun things. David Stewart at Bengal Stewart wants to know, does either pick, if it's Jamar Chase or Penny Sewell, dampen the incredible vibes around Bengals Nation that are going on right now? Or do you think that fans will come together and unite behind the pick? I think day two matters so much here. And it should in a way. But to David's point or his question, but I, I think it's his point. He's trying to be positive here. Regardless of who they pick out of the three, because they're not going to trade beyond it. Pitt, Sewell, Chase. They're getting a damn great prospect, like a really, really good prospect that's going to help right away and either start at probably right guard, if I had to guess, or start at tight end or start at receiver and be the number one at their respective position on the team. Like that's just what you're talking about. So I, I don't think anyone should be bummed regardless of who they pick at five. Now, if that fifth pick leads to them reaching on this or that on day two, then I, I get it. But no, in a vacuum, the fifth pick, and I don't think you really can look at it this way, but the fifth pick, no one should be necessarily bummed. But what they do in rounds two and three are obviously impacted. Like you said, Jake, if they take a, an edge rusher after they take a skill player and they don't have an offensive lineman going into round three, I think a lot of people are going to be concerned. And by the way, I'll get it if they are. 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's a path to success that involves wide receiver, edge rusher, or or Christian Barmore, or Caleb Farley, and then a, an offensive lineman in three and, and maybe four as well. But speaking to the fifth pick specifically, I would like to think, James, that fans will get together and be like, okay, he's a Bengal now. Unless they do something like, you know, pick Micah Parsons, Ben Baby's guy. You know, there, there might be some some real havoc. You know, I talk about fires visible from space, maybe from like Jupiter. If, if they pick Micah Parsons at five, I, I think that would maybe be a little bit of a disaster. But barring a major shock like that, I would like to think that everyone can come together and be team Bengals. I, I think they would. There will be people that are, I think, temporarily upset when it doesn't go their way. There will be fans, especially if it is Chase, that you know don't listen to us, don't interact with a large part of Bengals Twitter that listen to Mike Greenberg who say, oh, there's a 27% chance this guy works out and they could have drafted a 60% chance they could have protected Joe Burrow and they would see it that way, you know, and that's going to be out there. But hopefully by the time everything settles after the draft, we're all friends again. Coming up next, more questions from our friends, James. We finish up the Locked on Bengals weekend mailbag. I don't know what it's like to have a Snickers inside of a pickle, but I do know that Built Bar tastes great anytime, including inside of a pickle. I can't wait to try this. If you're new to the podcast, Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the planet. We talk about it all the time here on Locked on Bengals because they come in 18 delicious flavors, all covered in 100% chocolate. And the best part about them is you're trying to get that quarantine weight off in time for this summer vacations that you got coming up. But guess what? Built Bar can help you get there. They are high in protein, low in sugar, low in calorie, high in fiber, perfect for you. And you got to check them out. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. You're going to get 15% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. BetOnline.ag is the best way to place all of your bets for any of your sports betting needs. Currently, I'm looking at a list of NFL draft props from second pick overall, which is currently minus 2,000 for Zach Wilson. If you have any doubt in what the Jets are going to do, well, you can get some really good odds on Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and Penny Sewell. There are also odds in here for the first defensive player picked, over-unders on different players like Jamar Chase, which is currently set at 6 And on top of that, the NBA, baseball, hockey, all in season. They've got it all for you at betonline.ag. And when you go sign up, use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON at betonline.ag for a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. James, let's finish up this mailbag strong going into the weekend. Optic Blast 81 would like to know what were your all-time top five favorite Bengals first round picks when they happened without the benefit of hindsight in the moment, James, in order your favorite top five first round draft picks for the Bengals. Well, first is, is Joe Burrow. Just because the excitement he brought to the, the fan base, you knew it was coming, but I've never seen Bengals fans more excited for a singular draft pick, and I remember them picking Carson Palmer. So that's number one. Um, number two would probably be, I would say Palmer. I mean, he really damn good coming out. It was a Heisman Trophy winner, all that stuff we know about it. But I'm going to put, for me personally, 
a couple of receivers ahead because I felt like I had to to stand up for green a bit because there was a team trade back back in 2011. A lot of people forget this, but a lot of people wanted the Bengals to trade back because they had so many holes and Carson had just demanded a trade and retired and all that stuff. But uh, green was one I was ecstatic about after Burrow, so I'll put him to John Ross, obviously, and that's the the big one I've gotten wrong, but I was ecstatic about back in 2017. Then I'll, I'll go with Palmer and I think Tyler Eifert because that was a – that was a bit of a surprise, but uh, one where it was like, man, he's a beast. I can't believe he's still there. And you thought about how well he would fit in an offense with A.J. Green and then eventually Giovanni Bernard, who they took in the next round. And then two honorable mentions. I was ecstatic about David Pollock and Peter Warwick. I still think he would have been great had he came in uh, during a different era of Bengals football. P-Dub was legit. Another guy that would have been great in a different era of football is Chris Perry, who is a pick that nobody liked at the time because they nope. had a chance to pick Steven <laughs> Jackson. But in the modern NFL, I think that a lot of people would have thought Chris Perry was a better prospect. For the record, Optic Blast 81, his order goes Burrow, Palmer, Kajana Carter, A.J. Green, and John Ross. And this just kind of shows you for how excited we were about certain picks. You get stuff wrong. And retrospect always makes it look better. For me, James, my list is very similar to yours. I think it goes Burrow and then Palmer. I'm a quarterback guy. When they draft a quarterback that I think is a stud, I'm going to be excited. I think that if Palmer was more recent, like in the social media era, Mm -hmm. the excitement would have been very similar to Burrow's, except Burrow maybe had a bigger star. But some similar guys coming out, like golden quarterback boy. For, for both of them, really. Carson was the golden arm and Burrow was the golden everything else. So those two guys, one and two for me, I think three might be, it's between Eifert and Jackson. I, I love the William Jackson pick, getting him a pick ahead of the Steelers who then pick Artie Burns made it that much sweeter. Love that pick. But it's actually really hard for me to go to, to number five, you talked about some guys that I think were good picks, AJ Green, certainly. But at the time, I was honestly kind of checked out of Bengals football because Carson was like, I'm out, man. I'm done with this organization. I had really soured on the Bengals and I wasn't paying as much attention at the time, if I'm being totally honest. So I'm not sure who my number five would be. If I was paying a lot of attention, it probably would be AJ. And, and your top five, James, really speaks to why you're so fervently Team Chase, very consistent with your history. But I will say <laughs> a, a couple of guys outside of the first round that I was ecstatic about because it, I, I do get more excited about guys outside of the first round. Gio Bernard loved him in the second round when the Bengals desperately needed some juice at running back. Loved Marvin Jones. Loved uh, George Iloka. Loved the the uh, Carl Lawson pick. Actually really liked the Paul Dawson pick and learned a lesson on that one. And since we're doing the opposite of patting ourselves on the back, what I got wrong too, I did not understand the Jesse Bates pick at the time. It was like, why, why are they drafting a safety? They have two good safeties. Why are they drafting a safety from Wake Forest? Who is this guy? And uh, well, he, he turned out to be one of the best safeties in the NFL. So I think it goes both ways as far as, you know, your disappointment and your excitement on draft night and how that plays out in later years. It's totally fair. That was the one good thing Terrell Austin brought to Cincinnati in his brief time. Next question comes from Andrew. It's a non-draft question. 
Do you have any concern for Joe's development after the injury? We've always said that the injuries to young players can hamper their development. I don't think it's going to hamper him much or at all. Just wanted to get your takes on it. I think there's some concern, right? There's always concern when a quarterback has an ACL injury. There's always concern when a player in their rookie year has a serious injury. And it is a setback. I don't think there's any way of dressing that up. It's it's not something that is part of any rookie's plan and it takes away from development time. That being said, I think that if there's any young quarterback who's going to overcome something like this, it's a guy with Joe Burrow's work ethic. We've talked about this incessantly. Every time he talks, every time we've talked about his character, it's been he is going to work harder than anybody else in the classroom you know, and on the field, in the weight room, wherever it is, he's got that competitive instinct. He's got that killer instinct. He's got that grind in him. And I I have to think that Joe's going to be okay. Would it be ideal? Like, would it be as good maybe as if he had a full off season? No, I think he does lose something, but I think he'll be okay in the long run. And Jake, when Burrow talked publicly for the first time since his injury in January, he talked about wanting to be better with the deep ball and improving in that area. And I could not wrap my head around him rehabbing this serious injury and still having it in his head that he could develop and get better at anything really from a, a physical standpoint outside of getting that knee right. But that's just how he's wired. So Andrew, to answer your question, is there some concern? Yeah, naturally. I just think there's some just in general because at the stage he was in his career, but if anyone can overcome it, and, and still develop and become the player and reach his full potential. I think it's a guy with the mindset and, and the strength, the mental strength as much as anything, like Joe Burrow. James, we're going to go into a lightning round to finish up. Very quick answers here. 20 seconds at the most. Next question comes from Big Day at rsmith0906. I think the Bengals' day one and two focus is going to be on offense. So who are your favorite projected day three edge players? Well, I think it starts with Cam Sample. He seems like the most mocked defensive end in, in this class in that area. Ellerson Smith, a guy you took the other day, Jake in our mock draft, Janarius Robinson, Josh Kando, two guys that we discussed, I think, as well. And then I'm going to give Wyatt Hubert a shout out because I took him in the mock the other day, and, and he was really, really productive. So uh, th- those are the ones that, that I would say keep an eye on. Uh, Papa Wales is our next question during this lightning round. He said, arguably the two most embarrassing games from last season were against the Ravens. What do the Bengals need to do to keep this from happening again? Fix the offensive line, draft pits or chase, something else? I think it starts with Joe Burrow and the offensive line. It starts with figuring out how the Ravens are trying to attack them on, on offense. I think it starts with setting the protection more accurately and managing the deception and the blitzes that the Ravens tried to throw on them at offense more accurately. I also think that the defense needs to get after Lamar Jackson a little bit better. They need to have some semblance of slowing down the run game. They can't get run on for 300 yards and expect to win a game. That's just uh, not a recipe for success. So a good game script, getting up early, getting a pass rush, getting a little bit of run defense out of a guy like DJ Reader. I think it's a lot to go right, honestly. And and their best chance is going to be fixing the offense to win the shootout in the end rather than being on the downside of it. Next question comes from Jeff Wagner. James is at Bengal Banner Boy on Twitter. 
a couple people actually have asked this question today. Concern about Joe Mixon. He says that the foot injury status has been cryptic from day one. It's a point of major concern with Gio gone. Is there substantial intel regarding Joe Mixon and his health? Well, he's been cleared. So that's the good news. I do agree that it was suspicious during the season. And to me, the, the injury was clearly much worse than they let on. And you wonder if it was that, uh, Liz Frank type injury. But the good news is, as far as we know, no surgery. He rested. He's good. He's been cleared. He should be good to go. And I think that was part of the reason why they moved on from Geo. Um, last question comes from arguably our biggest supporter, the Bangalorean, asks, what color slash style should I make my third helmet? I have the original, which is orange with black stripes, and I'm doing the black with orange stripes. But the third one... Hmm. I mean, it's got to be white with black stripes, right? Right? I mean, I guess the other one, there's two, there's two that both involve black and white. There's black with white stripes, the matte black with the white stripes, or there's white with black stripes. But every time you see that color rush, the old color rush with the photoshopped white helmet with black stripes, that thing looks so cold. Uh, that's the one I would pick. I think I agree. I do, because you could always go like black with orange stripes, which I think would have a, a unique look. But to me, the white would pop more with the black and it would look really good when the Bengals are wearing their whites. So uh, Bangalorean, I think there's a consensus. Jake and I agree. Team Chase and white on black or black on white. Either way, black stripes on the white helmet. <laughs> I, I wouldn't put me on Team Chase, James. I just like I knew it. I knew it. I just wouldn't go that far. I was trying to sneak it in. Yeah, but, you know, don't. (laughs) (laughs) Team Chase. Jake is on Chase, baby. He's chasing Chase. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals (laughs) podcast. Next week, draft week. We're ready to go. Next episode you'll hear from us is going to be a what will they do mock draft. James and I will do our best to project what the Bengals will do on thursday friday and saturday next week and we reserve the right of course to change our minds up until thursday evening until then bengals fans thanks for listening who day and have a good one if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft coverage this offseason look no further than the locked on nfl scouting podcast Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.